You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 277 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I'm your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a Wednesday evening in the aftermath of yet another loss for the Atlanta Hawks. That's seven in a row as they fell to the Philadelphia 76ers by a final score of 119 to 109. Before we get to the uh, individual breakdowns and stuff, there's not a whole lot of news going on. So this this podcast is basically just going to be about the game. Um, Not a ton else going on in Hawks land, but uh, just a sort of an overall stuff um, from this game. Uh, The Hawks got got off to a dreadful start. If you missed this game, it was 15 to four Sixers in the early going. Also 25 to eight was the final uh, run out by the Sixers. It looked to be over at that point in time, honestly, with the Hawks down 17 and looking dreadful. Uh, Philly made their first five three-point attempts. It was just basically just lighting the world on fire offensively against the Hawks team that was scrambling in a big way defensively. But And honestly, I wrote this at the time and tweeted at the time and even before the game. It's sort of a nightmare matchup for the Hawks defensively uh, with the way that the uh, Sixers were kind of playing small ball without being small. Uh, you know, Ben Simmons playing uh, point guard, basically, but not having any natural point guard on the court tonight. I mean, a lot of the time, T.J. McConnell was playing, but in the starting lineup, uh, the Sixers were deploying Ben Simmons as the actual point guard on the roster, along with uh, J.J. Redick and Dario Saric and uh, Robert Covington and Joel Embiid. And with uh, with Ilyasova out for the Hawks, they were uh, forced to sort of get creative with the way that they had to try to defend a little bit. So it's uh, one of those things where it was kind of a mess from the start uh, defensively. Uh, at the end of the day, actually, the Hawks p- played reasonably well in terms of the uh, of their overall production level. It was better than the second half by far, um, but the Sixers still ended up, ended up scoring 108.3 points per 100 possessions, which is uh, pretty bad, uh, honestly, but not not absolutely horrible. It was really it was very, very bad early on. In the second half, the Hawks allowed... Uh, yeah, they still 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 allowed 60 points, but it was a much more fast pace in the second half. It was not as bad on a per possession basis. Um, with that said, um, you know offensively the Hawks struggled a little bit in this game. They scored less than a point per possession, uh, despite the fact that they played well in the first half. Much of that was uh, attributed to the fourth quarter. Where the uh, Hawks were only 16 points, and uh, they had they actually only scored three points in the first about seven plus minutes. It was about five points in the, in the first nine minutes of the fourth quarter. That was basically where this game was won and lost. Uh, in a familiar refrain, you know, most of the time this season it's been the third quarter for the Hawks, but today it was the fourth quarter after making a huge comeback. Uh, the Hawks tied the game, even took the lead in the second half of this of this contest. But they uh, the fourth quarter let them down, especially the first several minutes of the fourth quarter. They did not score. They didn't have a field goal until uh, I believe it was like the six minute mark or something of the fourth quarter. They didn't score a point in the first five and a half minutes of the fourth quarter. That is uh, pretty rough. Obviously, if you watch this game, it was pretty excruciating there for a time. Uh, I will say that the Hawks did defend well enough to hang around ish in that stint. Um, Philly scored less than ten points in the first six minutes of that fourth quarter, so it wasn't exactly like they were blowing the doors off of the Hawks in that stretch run. But uh, it got out of hand late. Uh, the Hawks, I believe, I believe, were down about 13 or 14 points before the end of the game and before it settled at 10. And uh, there you have it. Uh, also worth noting that John Collins fouled out with about eight minutes to go, and De- Dwight Dedman had five fouls at the time. So the Hawks were left uh, very, very shorthanded in the front court in terms of uh, options. They played Mike Muscala and Luke Babbitt together for a while. That, that did not work in the fourth quarter, not, not, not shockingly necessarily. Um, that, that pairing did not necessarily work out in the, in the best way against the likes of Joel Embiid and Mary Johnson, just sort of busy. Bigger physical uh, big men. Uh, the Hawks did uh, get away with playing a lot of quality small ball in the first half. In fact, the biggest run that they had in the, in the second quarter of this game was uh, with the small ball lineup and a, and a bench lineup on the floor. Mal- Malcolm Delaney left this game 
with an ankle sprain and never and did not return. He was announced to be out um, coming out of the halftime break. But in the, in the first half, I thought it was probably one of his better stints of the entire season. Uh, had not, only only nine minutes, but had eight points. Was three or three from the floor and uh, just looked very very good here uh, in some limited minutes. Obviously, you know, had two steals, but was playing off the ball, playing uh, largely with Isaiah Taylor, and uh, that ended up working out very well for him. That sort of uh, fed into the notion that Delaney is not a not, quote unquote not a point guard. I'm uh, you know not necessarily of that minus uh, you know, all the way, but I will say that he looked much better um, playing alongside a, another primary ball handler in this game. And that's not a huge surprise. You know, Malcolm's not the greatest uh, off the dribble kind of player, but if he gets him, if he gets going in space and he has a scorer's mentality in a big way, I thought he played very very well here. And especially in you know it was only a half, only nine minutes, and it's sort of a small sample in the way that he played. But uh, there you have it on that. Um, in terms of other uh, overarching takeaways in this game, the Hawks uh, were not great on the defensive glass, only 71% defensive rebound rate, uh, which means they were allowing almost 29% offensive rebound rate for the Sixers. Um, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons had six of uh, Philly's 15 offensive rebounds, but even Amir Johnson had a big game off the bench. A lot of that was against Muscala, and sort of uh, he was uh, having his way a little bit in some at certain time, not really in the fourth quarter, but uh, even before that, um, Johnson had his way against a couple of the Hawks lineups, uh, got a lot of uh, activity going on the glass, and uh, the bench for Philly ended up being a huge part of this game with Johnson playing well at 12 and 8. Uh, Jared Bayless with 14 points off the bench, and uh, TJ McConnell was very, very good in sort of hounding Dennis Schroeder a little bit, although Schroeder had a pretty good game offensively. Um, McConnell was effective offensively with 12 points and 7 assists and 6 rebounds in 26 minutes for the Sixers. Before we get into uh, individual stuff on this fine evening, I do want to talk, talk to you about the good folks at Draft. Fantasy basketball fans, listen up. If you love fantasy basketball, then you need to try my new favorite app, and that is the Draft app. It's daily fantasy basketball, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play real-life snake drafts with other people, just like in your season-long league. Uh, and here's how it works. It's a draft that lasts for just one night, and there's absolutely no management. Just set it and forget it. The best part about drafting and the best part about fantasy, fantasy drafts and fantasy leagues is the, is, is the draft process, and this is basically just a snake draft, and that's, that's the coolest thing about this. There's no waiver wire. There's no trades. The draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you if somebody goes down and this so sort of unexpected uh, pull, pull the curtain out from under you there's no worry they will fix it for you and do all that fun stuff uh, draft starts a couple um, draft starts uh, every couple minutes I should say so that you can join one right now if you're listening to this and really any time obviously it depends on what time of day is as to which uh, draft you're going to be getting into you might be for the following day if you're listening to this late at night but at the same time it's always fun there's always drafts running and the best part about this uh, about the app is that you're playing for cold hard cash drafts start from just one dollar so there's a draft for absolutely everyone and there's no salary caps, none of that stuff, playing a real-life snake draft, just like you like to play with your friends in a season-long league. This is just a, a, a separate snake draft each and every day, and that's a lot of fun if you like to do that kind of thing. Um, come and join me on Draft today. Download the app any single, anytime and search Draft in your app store to go ahead and find that on whatever uh, whatever device you want to find it at or play right from your computer at Draft.com. For a limited time only, all the new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit, and you need to use my promo code LOHAWKS, that's LOHAWKS, to uh, play real money game for free just by using that promo code. So once again, it's LO Hawks on your first deposit on draft. Before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you as well to uh, check out the podcast in terms of a, of, of a subscription. I normally plug that at the very end of the show, but wanted to do that a little bit earlier in the pod today. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. Go ahead and just get it right in the feed. It's much easier that way than having to go click around on the internet, and that way you have it on your on, on your device ready to go. So I definitely would encourage you guys to do that as well as any other locked on teams you're interested in, whether there's a locked on Falcons podcast, locked on NBA national show, locked on fantasy basketball with Josh. Any of those, uh, definitely go, go, go ahead and check those out today and subscribe and leave positive feedback. Before we get um, you know, you sort of 
back into the uh, player pool here. It's one of those things where uh, I should say, I should have said at the top, honestly, that the Hawks, you know, played reasonably well in this game. Um, you know, they lost by 10. That was a Philadelphia cover for those of you that worry about that stuff in Las Vegas. The Sixers ended up being about an eight and a half point favorite in this game. But the Hawks, you know, were, were competitive in this spot. You know, seven straight losses is frustrating. I understand. But there, there were bright spots. And honestly, for me, it's something that I, I, try, not, I try not to say on every single podcast. But if you are a fan of the uh, quote-unquote tanking process or the rebuild process and you want to have a high draft pick, the best possible scenario is the Hawks competing for 48 minutes and then losing. Uh, so a lot of Hawks fans are excited about that, and losing seven in a row is never fun for anybody that's on the court. But from the outside looking in, you could see a ray of sunshine in that way, and the Hawks will probably be setting themselves up for a strong draft pick down the line. Uh, individually, uh, Dennis Schroeder, 25 points, uh, six assists in this game in 33 minutes of action. It was 10 of 17 from the floor, 2 of 2 from 3, and 3 of 3 from the free throw line. Dennis was very good offensively. I thought he got off to something of a slow start, but after that, um, got kind of got wherever he wanted, was uh, playing around with TJ McConnell quite a bit. Uh, McConnell had four fouls. I believe all those all those came on Dennis, and including one possession where there were three fouls in one possession, including two two against Schroeder. And, uh, you know, he got, he got to basically any spot that he wanted to throughout the game. That was very encouraging defense. Defensively, uh, he's uh, still struggling, I will say. Uh, maybe, not, maybe not struggling on one-on-one situations all the time, but just his effort level's not been great. There were there were flashes in this spot where he was a little bit better, um, but still not a great defensive performance from Schroeder. But on the bright side, his offense was very, very good here. Uh, elsewhere on the starting lineup, in print, had a double-double with 17 points and 11 rebounds. Uh, played 40 minutes in this game. Uh, it's one of those things, I was, I've been saying in this kind of all season long, but he's the only small forward, natural small forward on the roster. And in this game, he plays, played a lot of power forward as well in the first half, playing a lot of small ball lineups. So that's kind of, you know, I think, I think I've been on record all, all season long that he was going to lead the team in minutes. It seems to be well on our way to that. And uh, I, I, you know, he was minus 16 here, so it wasn't as if he was fantastic when the, we, we, I should say the Hawks were fantastic when he was on the court. That had, that had very little to do with Prince, though, in my opinion. And uh, it's one of those things where I think you can kind of almost write that off a little bit. I, I didn't think he was fantastic, you know, offensively, six or 17 is something you have to improve on, but uh, Prince was pretty good in this game in general. Uh, Kent Bazemore was largely uh, largely absent slash invisible in this game. Not, not, not in an awful way, but it just wasn't great. Eight points, uh, four rebounds, three assists, and four steals, though. Four steals is usually a good thing. Uh, 27 minutes was one of four from the floor. Got to the line eight times as he continues to do that on a regular basis. That definitely helps his uh, efficiency a little bit. Um, but other than that, kind of an anonymous, anonymous performance from Kent. Uh, Dwayne Dedman, 10 points and nine rebounds. Uh, did have those five fouls I mentioned earlier on the podcast, and that uh, was minus eight. But he was on the court. Um, for the early run uh, when the Hawks got when Hawks finally got back into the game, uh, most of that was uh, with either uh, you know second units, but even uh, there was a little bit of a run with that, and where that, that's why it basically ended up with him, him, him having the best uh, plus minus of any uh, starting level any any starting level player on the roster in this game. Uh, Deadman was just okay though. I didn't think he was fantastic. He got pushed around at times by Joel Embiid, and uh, you know Embiid's fantastic. Twenty-one points, twelve rebounds, six assists, and three blocks for Embiid. So no no shame there. But Deadman, uh, you know his hands are not great, and his screen setting. I think this is pointed out by Tyler Jones on Twitter, which I would encourage you guys to follow him. Definitely a, a, a unique perspective in Tyler sees stuff that not everybody sees all the time. Uh, Deadman's uh, screen setting was not great in this game, and watching that watching the game for, for a second time, it was not ideal. That's something he probably has to work on a little bit to uh, be a more effective offense. Offensive player. Um, elsewhere in the starting lineup, the fifth player we have not, we have not talked about just yet is Mike Muscala. Two points, four rebounds, and two steals in 22 minutes. In the first half, he played only the five minutes at the very beginning of the game, and then Bud went small for the rest of the half. In the second half, he was probably good. he's probably on his way to maybe not five minutes, but a little bit less than that before uh, before Collins and Devin got into foul trouble, and then the Hawks had to kind of pivot, playing more at center. This was not the greatest matchup for Muscala. 
pretty much individually the worst possible matchup for him in that, you know, in the starting in the starting five for Philly, there was nowhere to really hide him. He had to ask him to either guard Dario Saric or Ben Simmons. It's not going to work out terribly well. There was, this, there was a segment where he was actually covering uh, Robert Covington, who had a big game. Not, that's not necessarily going to be on Muscala that he can't guard those guys, but, you know, playing him in the power forward spot uh, against this Philly team, Philly team was never going to work out particularly well. And Bud, Bud to, to his credit, kind of saw that early on, did not ever bring him back in the first half. Second half, you know, playing him with Luke Babbitt is never going to be ideal. The Hawks wanted to go offense there. I get that um, completely because, you know, as, as we said before, a lot of foul trouble stuff for Collins and Devin, but that lineup's not going to be ideal. Just defensively, you're going to have a hard time staying, uh, staying uh, capable defensively, um, really on the glass more than anything with Babbitt and Muscala, and that did not work out well here. So Mike didn't play great by any stretch, but, you know, in terms of uh, the numbers not being exciting here, I think this is uh, sort of matchup-driven. Uh, I will say the same thing I always keep saying about Muscala is that this is not, uh, you know, playing, him playing power forward um, does not let, let this all too great, a great number of matchups, but I will say, you know, the last two games against Milwaukee and Philly, uh, two of the worst matchups possible for Muscala, and then he has to guard guys like Giannis, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, on the bench, uh, Luke Babbitt had his best game as a Hawk, 16 points and 5 rebounds in 25 minutes. Uh, he was a spark offensively, had the highlight of the night for Atlanta when he uh, made a uh, Sixers defender fall before finishing a layup that made its way onto Twitter. And uh, you'll, I'm sure you can find it. The Hawks tweeted it out. It was very, very entertaining, and the bench went wild at that point in time. But Babbitt just played well, uh, shot the ball well in this game, 7-12, which is, uh, is kind of – that's why you want him out there is for that, for that offensive uh, firepower. But I thought he uh, was very good here in a small sample. Uh, you know, 25 minutes is actually a big sample for him, but it's one game. Uh, John Collins, only 14 minutes and fouled out, so not a huge takeaway here, but seven points, seven rebounds. I thought he was okay. Uh, also not a great matchup, matchup for him, having to deal with Joel Embiid at times. Uh, he was matched up with Amir Johnson. That, that actually went a little bit better for Collins um, in the small sample size there. But, uh, you know, Embiid's just so big that it gives Collins some fits when he's playing small ball center, and that's kind of what he is at this point in time. Uh, my, my, I, mentioned, I mentioned Delaney earlier, but he was good. Uh, Isaiah Taylor had some very, very good flashes. Eight, uh, eight points and two assists in 18 minutes was four of nine from the floor, but I thought he played very well. It was plus five. Uh, you did have three turnovers, which is not ideal in 18 minutes, but I thought Taylor was a, a, good, a good spark defensively and really is just sort of a, as someone who can get, get into the paint. Had a couple of high-level passes and a couple of uh, situations where he was breaking the uh, Sixers down off the dribble, which is encouraging because that's something that Delaney doesn't necessarily bring. Uh, a lot of Hawks people, including myself, jumped to almost anoint that Taylor was going to be the backup point guard. After the uh, first half, he entered the game first, but about 30 seconds later, Delaney came in with him and played with him. So no no full-on clarity there after Delaney did not play in the second half on Sunday. And obviously Delaney was hurt in this game, so he never came back in. So we still don't know, uh, quote-unquote, who the backup is, uh, although Bud has been freely playing, as I talked about with Graham Chapel on yesterday's podcast, freely playing three-point guards in each and every game. So tough to really discern now. And uh, with the way that Malcolm played off the ball, we might see that, we might see that some more. It might be tough to blame the Hawks. But I think with a full complement, you you wouldn't want to necessarily use that lineup too often with two point guards, but without Bembry, especially, that's been a huge loss. And Bud does not just does not trust Howard Dorsey and Nico Brasino just yet. So, uh, a good game for Taylor, a good game for Delaney, and that's a good combination when the Hawks want to play well. And that was a sort of showed up in the box score off the bench. Uh, lastly. Marco Bellinelli really struggled here. We talked about how good he's been yesterday on the podcast, but it was two of eleven in this game. Uh, was one of seven from three. Uh, had had eight points and four. Did have four assists. Had the ball in his hands quite a bit. It was only minus four in the 29 minutes that he played. But uh, not a, not a great Bellinelli game by any stretch of the imagination. He was due for one of these. He's only had one more other one like this in the this season. So you're gonna, you're gonna get some hot, some hot, and some cold. We're gonna say that every time he has a good game or a bad game, I'll probably say the same thing. But it's one of those things with Bellinelli where he either has it going or he doesn't. And uh, you know he does bring some other creation. 
isolation elements when he's not not shooting the ball well. But that's his, that's his huge value to the Hawks is his shot making. So if it's not going well, um, it's not necessarily a spot where you want to keep feeding him because he's going to keep shooting. For, to his credit, that's the kind of guy that he is. He's a gunner. He's going to get shots up, and uh, he needs to get shots up. But uh, you know, not great from Bellinelli in this game. Uh, that, that's gonna kind of do it for today's podcast. I appreciate everybody listening to the show. Uh, you know, frustrating. I know that the Hawks keep losing. If you're a longtime fan, but I think you know, seeing the forest through the trees is important right now. They're spent. They're, they're just finding some encouraging signs in each and every game is probably the best thing. I'm gonna try to do that on the podcast as well. Even even if the Hawks are struggling, and they are. Make no mistake, I've, I pointed out on Twitter today that I think the first time that they're gonna be favored most likely in Las Vegas is November 15th. That's a full two weeks from now. So. Uh, doesn't mean they're going to lose all those games, but still, uh, it might, might get pretty frustrating. It might get uglier before it gets better for the Hawks. So uh, just follow that away. Hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. Please let me know if there's anything that you want me to change or add or do anything and tweak, and we'll, we'll take, take all, all that feedback to heart. I want to make this a fun podcast for you guys and appreciate the listenership that you guys have provided to me to this point. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a little bit of a, of a fun show schedule. Hopefully that's going to come to fruition, a little bit of a, of a change up in what we've been doing so far. So I think you guys are going to enjoy that podcast. And until then, uh, take care and enjoy the day.